Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Cayman Gilmore of Sun Collective and a lot more besides and we'll get to that all in a second or as much as we can anyway in this introduction. Sun Collective is a chamber folk group and they released the Move Remove EP in August on Cayman's 32nd birthday and it follows their self-titled debut album in 2017. It was recorded by Ross Turner and Burr Quinn and features contributions from the likes of Kevin Corcoran, Matthew Jacobson and Sam Perkin. It's a really delicious EP. I think that that's the apt word for it. I, I really, really love this EP. And if you stick around to the end of the conversation with Cayman, you can listen to the gorgeous track Swallow, which opens the EP. It's a bit of a long one, but I, I just think it's great. And you can listen and buy the EP at suncollective.bandcamp.com. As for Cayman's other work, I think it's safe to say he's prolific. Over the summer and under his own name, he released Stringogum, four videos that comprised a mix of interviews and music, which culminated in an EP release. He had commissioned Linda Buckley, Benedict Schleppler, Connolly, Sam Perkin and Nick Roth, four of Ireland's most distinctive and vital young composers, to write four new double bass works using funds from the Arts Council, Cork City Council, Arts Office and Dunleary Rathdown County Council. The pieces were first performed live at the Crawford Art Gallery in Cork as part of Quiet Lights Festival in November 2019. Remember festivals? Remember I got to see this last year in November in that front room with all of the uh, naked statues in in the Crawford as part of Quiet Lights. It was really, really great. It was a Saturday afternoon. There was music drifting in the window from a busker outside. It all added to it. It was really, really nice way to spend an afternoon. Let's listen to a taster of that before we go any further. This is a taster of uh, the string organ piece that came and did uh, with Sam Perkin. So for the rest of Cayman's CV, he's worked as bassist and vocalist with Lisa Hannigan for her At Swim album tour and plays regularly with Crash Ensemble, Stargaze, the RTE Concert and Symphony Orchestras and Ulster Orchestra. And before COVID-19, boo, he was scheduled to tour a new project with Damon Albarn. He's played with loads of other acts too far too many for me to mention here and he has also arranged for the RT Concert Orchestra and Crash Ensemble with Lisa Hannigan and Mango and Mathman. So we'll try and touch on as much as possible in this 40-ish minute chat to follow. So let's get into it and stick around to hear that Sun Collective track, Swallow, at the end. So thanks a lot for listening. This is myself and Cayman having the chats in his new gaff near UCD. So how are you getting on? You've just moved uh, back to Dublin from uh, West Cork. Uh, you were there all lockdown. How how did you get on? Was it great to be away from Dublin, Cayman? 
Um, do you want me, you want me to say that on camera or <laughs> record that? Don't Look, you, Owen? You were right all along. <laughs> Quark is best. <laughs> Do you remember the first time we met? Uh, uh, I do, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know if we need to tell the listeners oh, right, yeah. what happened. Will I not tell the listeners what happened? No, you can if you want, right. but it's just embarrassing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, no, I'll leave it, I'll leave it. It was just me basically shouting cork, cork, cork yeah. very late at night to you when we were introduced. But it was because I was introduced as a person from Cork and I just thought that uh, every, <laughs> every time it happens, people are just like, oh, they just talk about cork all the time. And you do always talk about cork. But do you find do you find that you're talking about Cork now a lot as well after your six? Just months trying there? to tell people from Cork that they don't need to talk about Cork all the time. <laughs> the word is starting to lose all meaning. <laughs> Cork, Cork. But <laughs> <laughs> well, just give me your your travel log of the past like six months. What did you? Uh, what was like the best thing that you did uh, on your on your holidays? On my you, holidays like, during lockdown. Yeah, I basically went on holidays for six months to West Cork. Uh, it's an um, yeah, it's an amazing place. There we said it. Um, it's yeah, it's mind blowingly beautiful and really extensive. And I was being shown around by a local who had in depth knowledge of all the good spots. So um, yeah, it was really gorgeous and um, really conducive with making work as well. So I had two P- EPs out. Over the course of the, the six months down there. Um, just that time, space in the physical and mental sense. Tell me about what you had planned for 2020. As much as you're able to to say, like, you were planning on moving out of Dublin anyway because you were, you were going touring, wasn't it? Except then that obviously fell through. Yeah, uh, no, I, I was planning... I don't know what I was planning, actually. Uh, it's so long ago. It's so long ago, yeah. I Yeah, I had... I had a few, I had a eight week tour um, in May and June and I was kind of in between houses and I was waiting to see if the place we're sitting now was going to come up because um, I had to apply for it through Dublin City Council. So yeah, it was just kind of in limbo and then I just found myself in West Cork and sure, why would I leave? Because I had nowhere here really, Do you know, my lease was up at the end of April. Were, were you debating it? Were you like, uh, uh maybe I shouldn't go down because what if something comes up or were you very much like feck it there's nothing else I, I I was doing I was rehearsing an opera with the concert orchestra RT concert orchestra and word was kind of getting around the orchestra that like it's not going to happen kind of thing so I kind of pegged my bets and I was like once they lock it down this is it's going to go south I didn't think it'd be for this long now yeah. I was definitely um, cynical maybe not cynical uh, just like I just not like everyone else, I didn't expect it to last this long. You're hopeful that it wouldn't last. Yeah, I thought it'd be a month or so, you yeah. know, or whatever, maybe two months. Um, but yeah, it's like we won't be gigging until twenty twenty two with this. This right? Oh, no, if there's any know. venues left, you know? are you being realistic? There is that what you're kind of the stage you're at at the moment. Like, just it's not going to happen next year. Go on, what's a what's a what's a science saying? Game and tell oh, me. oh yeah, the pseudo science. Uh, I I I don't know. I. I think in this country, at least, um, we're f- really far behind our peers in the Netherlands and Germany. We're all gigging, um, in obviously a reduced capacity, but there's like culture is like being made a big deal, and they're it's it's going ahead. Whereas the government over here are kind of well, they're making fools out of themselves, firstly, and they don't seem to really give a shit. I don't know. Yeah, the national campaign for the arts are doing an amazing job. So. 
there's a bit of optimism there that we will be gig- maybe gigging in some capacity next year. But I mean, to, for it to go back to what I was doing in March or January, February, March, uh, yeah, at least another year. Have you played any gigs um, in the past couple of weeks in, in front of people or has it just been uh, over computer or something? Yeah, um, a lot, yeah, lots of online stuff. But yeah, I did do, I did uh, Kilkenny Arts Festival. Um, I did six one-on-one gigs uh, in one day, which was a bit of crack. At Kilkenny? At Kilkenny, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, in like a function room in a hotel. It was really bizarre. Um and it was just me and like a fella or a couple or children and all socially distanced uh, over the course of one day. And then the next day I had a gig in the Hugh Lane for 45 minute sets, two 45 minute sets. And that was all socially distanced stuff again. But that's, was that it? And then Anamika for showing, but that was online stuff. So yeah, like really, like not very much. Yeah. And enough to kind of get you excited about doing it again. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And yeah, really missed the whole communion of it. Um, like rehearsing, sound checking, meeting people, talking shy to people, playing music, going for points. You know, <laughs> like you miss yeah. the yeah. full list. The of full list. Stuff of, that you yeah, need to yeah. All the things I like to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me about the one-on-one gigs. Was it like fifteen minutes sets or? It was like fifteen minutes of music, and then chat. Really? But it, wow. Yeah, I'd find that so I'd be like this is awkward it was I think initially um, people came in and they were like some people were a bit sheepish because you're just eyeballing each other in a like it looked like a fucking like accountants convention the room I was in it was, <laughs> it was like no uh, no crack no vibe to it but um, it was actually really nice because you particularly with the music I was playing it was maybe a bit difficult if you're not used to listening to it or going to that kind of music um, and it was just really nice to be able to explain um, what was going on and be like probably closer than you would be in a venue um, but obviously socially distanced to really feel and hear what the instrument's doing so we just talked after each piece and it's like yeah it's just like chatting to one of your mates and just playing a couple of tunes that's nice that's something yeah. that you probably wouldn't have imagined would happen like six months uh eight months ago yeah not at all and like there's de- gigs. yeah yeah there's definitely people doing there was definitely people doing those one-on-one things but they weren't necessary so they are special did you get something out of them yourself personally or was it just like just good to play music it's just good to play music yeah 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 um I was actually knackered, not from the playing, from talking. Shite. Absolute bollocks. <laughs> 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 yeah, just hearing my own voice was a bit tiring. Right, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, having to be in control of the situation more so than I usually have to be. Like you were kind of an usher, a musician, um, an narrator, you know, all these. You have to do everything. You have to do everything. Well, obviously there, were, there was... Uh, there was volunteers bringing people in and all that kind of stuff but yeah tiring tiring yeah. tiring um I'm, I'm never sure like both for the listener whether they want to hear more about lockdown and for like you as an artist creative like whether you want to talk about it and think about it but like when you moved uh, all your instruments down to west cork were you like did did you go through what it seems like so many people went through of just like i'm not feeling creative at all or did you 
find it very easy to shift into that mode of like you've got the space and you've got the time and the freedom now let's see what happens yeah i yeah i just jumped in actually um and i felt really creative luckily enough um just because of the the just the space and the surroundings like maybe that was that played a part subconsciously it was it was actually it was just kind of nice to have time to take projects off the shelf that i've been meaning to do for ages and just finish them so that was the impetus actually creating things like i think like i was kind of i was just building upon a a lot of structure that was already in place and ready to to finish so yeah i did create a couple of things but a lot of the work had been done so it was just refining that but yeah no i did I, i felt really creative and i'm kind of used to having to just change gear really quickly because i'm a freelancer so I'd be doing classical music or I'd be doing band music or I'd be doing composition or I'd be doing song collective or whatever it is. I have to change gear really radically, maybe twice or three times a day. Um, so I was, maybe I already had the skills that I, I needed to just be like, just get on with it and do it. But I, I definitely know what people are talking about when they were with this kind of pressure to just have output consistently and like a lot of... Um, even the grants or the gigs that were being put up to help fund musicians and like just they were really welcome don't get me wrong but um a lot of them were towards output and content on the internet and people actually did artists and musicians whatever they need time to reflect actually um and funding that is nearly as important as funding the output so yeah i definitely i felt there was a pressure to put stuff out luckily i had stuff to throw out like, like, I mean, you mentioned some of the projects that you're involved with there. Like, I think of you very much as a collaborator. Like, there's this whole list of people that you work with. But, like, being on your own as you were down in West Cork creating the music, did you find that a challenge? Like, did it make you have to, like, reassess the direction of the music, not having these people to, to bounce ideas off of? Uh, yes and no. Um, like, I did, like, the, the EP, Sun Collective, just put out... Um, there's recordings on that that were done in Austria over Zoom and he just sent me the files and we polished them up and they're on the DEP, do you know? And I, I yeah, I, I didn't really, that was the kind of collaboration I was doing. I was just like giving people a brief. It was like, go for it and send me back whatever. And I used it because I saw it as like a product of the time. But no, I didn't really miss the collaboration. Like you mean in a physical sense in a room? Yeah. No, no, I didn't. I actually didn't miss it at all. I miss it now. I think it's just going on too long. But no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't miss it at all. Um, and it's nice to kind of re- like have to rest in yourself sometimes and get the best from yourself. So um, I played like I was playing piano. I don't play piano at all. I was playing Fender Rose and all this kind of crack on the on the EP. I'm absolutely shy on piano. <laughs> um, but that's nice, you know, you're upskilling and there's an honesty to that because you mightn't be so good at it, you know. Are you um, going to keep it up? I will, I'm looking on adverts for free pianos. If you know any free piano or people with free pianos, give us an L, how are you? Oh, wow. Next, yeah. next time we'll be tinkling those ivories. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep occupied here. It's going to be lonely here on my own. So piano and my beer kit, I'll be... <laughs> I'd be grand of a Tuesday. <laughs> I mean that—that's all you need. That's all you need. Um, 
so maybe before we talk about those projects take me back just because like i was saying before you press record just just like it's hard to work out the timeline for you like what what do you see as like say your main instrument or and when did uh you come to it uh i would i would see my main instrument as guitar really yeah but i would see my professional or my professional musical life is double bass mm, because i would i would have seen you play the double bass more than i would have the guitar yeah yeah and i'm not proficient really on the guitar like i just have a couple of tricks and I, you know but i feel like i'm there's there's a much like uh, i have more breath on the bass um because just purely because i put so much more time into practicing it to get work but the guitar is where I started, and I started out when I was fifteen. Um, my dad, my dad taught me, and uh, I was just in bands. And then in college, I was doing art history, um, and I kind of felt that I wanted to be a professional musician through being in, in bands. In some, in some way, I wanted to be a professional musician, but I wanted to broaden the scope of what. I'd be capable of doing so not just bands I could do orchestra music or I could do jazz or whatever so I basically kind of racked my head about what instrument I could take up an orchestral instrument what instrument I could take up at that age because it's quite late and the double bass was um, appropriate physically and uh, there's not that many players and you can kind of get up to up to scratch to do gigs you know because of the fact that there's less players yeah um so i thought that was a maybe a shrewd way to go f- purely economically like i didn't have that much of gras for double bass bar jazz or whatever do you know um it was pure business um, <laughs> and it, it actually worked out that i grew to like absolutely adore the the versatility and the sound of the instrument so that's kind of yeah that's real big picture stuff to be uh considering like was it was it um just that you saw that there was just a limit of if you were going to continue in say the bands that you were in and like just playing just playing guitar like did you just think there's just a limit that you hit unless you're like you know you hit on something really really great yeah and yeah. so few i guess so few acts are able to make a living out of it make a career out yeah, of it. yeah big time and like so many bands that are amazing can't make money out of it. um just so they have the, to just work so hard unbelievably hard yeah yeah and you know be on the scratch for three or four years or do or get a part-time job or whatever it is yeah yeah i suppose it, like in retrospect it was a very adult decision to make when you're that young but I, well, I was, I was interested in lots of different musics, as well. So there was that. Um, I just, yeah, I just kind of want to peg my bets. But also, in retrospect, if I just ploughed on just singing and playing guitar, you know, like, you never know what I would have came across, or maybe I would have stopped. And I, I don't think the music that I was interested in making would be the music that you'd make lots of money out of, or that it would have broad mass appeal. So did you get a break with the double bass, like with the orchestras? How did you kind of go about getting yourself into that kind of world? Because what, like, was it a brand new world for you that you were trying to break into? Or did you already have 
inroads into it? Uh, no, I like absolutely no experience in it. Um, I just had one pal of mine that was going to the Guildhall, which is a, a college in London, and he's a French horn player. And his brother was his principal horn with the LPO, London Philharmonic. Um, and I kind of got interested through him and then various other other mates and just just saw this new amazing sonic world and um, musicianship and skill level that was really attractive but yeah like none of my family are musicians or any of that kind of crack so yeah I just went for it and I was like scarlet sight reading uh, like I, I hadn't a clue for years how to I was crap like it was absolutely crap being surrounded in in the orchestras yeah yeah um just out of your depth sort of thing completely or? out of my really depth. yeah yeah like absolute deep end um in in kind of what ways just like i couldn't sight read i didn't know like i found it really hard to sight read um i didn't know just kind of like a, co- a conduct in orchestra how to play in orchestra it's very different from playing in a band or playing in a small ensemble a chamber ensemble so i didn't know any of that kind of stuff and it you don't you're not really told it when you're that age they, people would just assume if you played a double bass you've been playing it since you were 10 or whatever and that you've learned the ropes through you at orchestra and all this kind of stuff it's like I didn't learn any of that um, so I didn't know the rules if that makes sense Yeah. so yeah it took it took a long it took about 5 or 6 years to really like lots of work um, and to being given opportunities by various musicians who kind of saw something in me that I finally maybe copped on. I don't know if I'm still if I've copped on yet, but like <laughs> it's a it's a lot it's a, it's a skill you learn for life. But um, I was completely out of my depth at the start. Wow, what, who who were the people or what were the opportunities that you were given? Well, I went to London for three and a half years, and oh, right, wow. I went to the Guildhall, uh, and even to be given a place there um, was uh, charitable because uh, <laughs> I could barely like hold the bass. But I think the lad saw something in me because I, I just practiced the same three pieces for six months and was able to pull off something that resembled music. And I had uh, maybe a fever or something that they could see in me that I'd, I'd really work hard. So that was that was kind of the first one. And then I got into a chamber group called Southbank Symphonia. It was like a, they're like a pre-professional orchestra and they give you a bursary and all this kind of stuff. And they, they work it really hard and it's like three or four gigs a week. So that was a huge learning curve because at the start of that I still couldn't really sight read and yeah, I was making it up. And and so you just you get better at it just by doing it all the time? All right? the time, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then in Ireland, musicians like Maliki Robinson, double bass player in um, Crash Ensemble and ICO, uh, Kate Ellis, he's the Crash artistic director. Um, Mal basically got got me uh, my first gig with them and... Um, they crash really took me under their wing, um. So whenever Mal wasn't around, I'd I'd get a shout, and they're still they still support me. Like they're I can't say, like, yeah, I can't say how thankful I am to them for the opportunities. But then like RT concert orchestra as well really, um, took me under their wing as well. Seamus and Liam. So it's just those kind of angel musicians who help you out when you're yeah. shite <laughs> were, were, was, were they all kind of um, concurrent or was it like you moved back from London and you kind of got onto them they all kind of happen in stages you kind of have to just be around and poke the neck out and just ask for help 
and be willing to receive it and being willing to take the criticism because you're not at a you know you know leave the leave the ego and leave any sort of pride I, I didn't care about that because I hadn't been playing long enough so I kind of just approached him very openly and was like I want to get better I want to get work and I think that's maybe was a refreshing approach were you able to take the criticism initially or was it or were you like I don't know if I'm cut out for this like the, d- the doubts yeah uh, yeah no I was able to take the criticism in a lesson um, but I don't I, I hate and I still hate the underhanded criticism that you get sometimes if you make a mistake or something like afterwards when you're kind of doing the, the post gig review yeah or it wouldn't even be a review you know um, actually this is getting into dangerous territory here <laughs> but uh, and none of those people are involved in it but um, I d- yeah there's 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 ways of handling it I suppose or telling or giving out the criticism yeah yeah um I think particularly classical players are like their own worst critics. So and there's there is genuinely a lot of a, a lot of players will hold themselves to a very very high standard. And if you're not in line with that, you know it's not it's not cool or whatever. Um, which is fair enough. You know it should be like that in all industries really. Um, so um, criticism in lessons, no. Criticism in auditions and stuff like that, that's horrible. That's like the own X factor. It, like, because you go into a room. What, what are you auditioning for? So, I uh, like, I was auditioning for orchestras. Um, oh, okay. Um, that's the way it always works. That's the way it always I just it don't know that, word, that world yeah. that well. Yeah, so they'll, they'll stick out uh, a job description and you apply for it. And you go into whatever the National Council Hall and there's four or five people behind a table like X factor. <laughs> but they're like outrageously good musicians and you play for them and then you do extracts and then you do some sight reading the sound you make in that room that's there's no second chance it's like that's what you've that's it like wow that sounds yeah. tough it's it's horrible wow yeah, and, that, and that's the way they all kind of do them they all do the auditions they and, all do them yeah wow yeah interesting yeah have you kind of got the hang of them now like would you still go for auditions or are you kind of almost above that no, Jesus, no, no, no. You don't we, get above that. No, I don't. Well, like, I mean, if you're the leader of the symphony orchestra or something, yeah, like you'll get you'll get invited to play in orchestras, um, and you probably could forgo the audition process and just go into a trial period. Um, but for me, no, Jesus, yeah, like, yeah, oh, of course, yeah, get in there, show us what you can do. I and I don't really audition anymore. No, the last one I did was for Ulster Orchestra, um, and I got a trial actually with them. But was that that was earlier this year? That was it was last year, yeah. Which was really nice because I've been playing with them for Jesus six or seven years now. Um, another bunch of people who took me under the wing, Garrett up there, really took me under his wing. because um, I was just relentless calling him, asking him for lessons, and trying to get get in with the orchestra. So it was really nice to sit. So I was sitting so principal doing the audition. I did like two trials or whatever, and they were like, "Ah, no, you're grand." Which I like, they were dead right. I wasn't the man for the job, but uh, um. Yeah, I like I've I've definitely come to a point where I kind of realise now that I don't I don't want a job in an orchestra. I'm not in in, in absolutely no way interested in sitting in an orchestra for the next couple of years. Really? Oh, I thought no. I thought you were still a member of the uh, symphony orchestra. No, I'm just a freelancer. Oh, so I got, like I I into doing that. So when they need extra bass players, I get a call. Symphony or concert orchestra or crash Ulster. Oh, okay, yeah. freelancer. Yeah. 
why wouldn't you want to be a permanent member just because it's so restrictive yeah 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 pretty much i'd much rather create things as much as i love playing an orchestra um, and it's just it suits me particularly now to be free fancy free and and making things and then doing that to subsidize the rest of it you know so I'm guessing like when you came back from London, you did just have, you were just exponentially better at the double bass than like beforehand. So w- was that the case that like other people got on with onto you, you know, asking uh, to like play on their albums or make music with them and you just saw that more people were kind of getting onto you and it was all kind of working out? Yeah, yeah, but it took, it took a long time. Like I think I didn't, I didn't gig for a year when I was back here. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I was oh, okay. Completely unemployed. Um, so I was, I was flying back to London and doing gigs over there, and then coming back. It just takes time because it's a much smaller community, and there's much there's like there's not as many opportunities basically for freelancers to get in. And then there's obviously people who've been doing it for going in freelancing for twenty years. So you're not gonna they're not they're first on the list, you know the right, extras yeah. list. Um, so it just takes time, and then you just start making relationships and. Hopefully doing a good job, and then they ask you back. But yeah, I like particularly last year and the year before, I felt really like okay, I've got I've got to a place where I feel kind of secure now, even though I'm freelance. You know, then I know the phone is going to ring. Okay, um, yeah, great. Yeah, who who are the acts now that you're playing with regularly? Like I know Lisa Hannigan would be someone that uh you seem to be in regular contact with are there other people like that as well in my capacity as a double bass player um i recently was actually the tour was cancelled but i was involved with a uh, a new project by damon alburn through stargaze who i also play with the Ber- berlin based orchestra yeah uh, and i met them through lisa um who, who did a live album with them exactly they yeah. played with uh villagers as yeah. well yeah yeah, a whole, a whole load of people. Irish, what are Irish acts? Neve Regan's albums out today. Tell me about uh, making music with uh, Lisa Hannigan. Ah, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, she's like one of the nicest people I've ever encountered. So generous, um, generous of spirit, and then just like an absolute freak with her voice. It's just like some some instruments, you know, just always in tune and beautiful. So yeah, that was uh, I was very fortunate and lucky to get to tour her last her last two albums, and just the crew that she picked as well, and the band—they're all just unbelievable. Um, and I'm still mates with with all of them, and still work with like Ross. I recorded the EP, Ross and Cormac. We've done we've done arrangements and stuff for the concert orchestra and all this kind of crack. So yeah, it's just a really um, fulfilling um, musical and personal experience great uh, and w- how much more are you able to tell me about uh working with damon alburn or almost working with damon alburn he, uh, yeah no he's in his gaff <laughs> <laughs> in his house in uh iceland yeah it? it was in his yeah. gaff yeah it was really bizarre it was surreal like what was the plan he was he was doing uh he was planning on touring this summer yeah wasn't he yeah. um and and you went over to iceland and did a rehearsal or did yeah. kind of the the beginnings of something yeah exactly yeah i think it was the second second or third um kind of session that he had up in the house um and yeah we flew over for four days and did or three days and did two days 
rehearsals just improvising basically and how did the opportunity come about was it just like you know your name is just out there now and like someone is just going to recommend you yeah we came through Andre de Ritter who's the conductor and he's the director of Stargaze and it wasn't it wasn't actually really Stargaze it was kind of a it was a few players from Stargaze and then kind of other other like horn players and um, trombone players from Iceland um, so it was kind of a, a scratch band we call it we call it in the biz of people that I yeah I didn't know all of them um, so yeah I just got it through Andre um, and I think he probably saw that my skill set kind of that cross genre thing would have suited the project so he gave me a ring and yeah geez, I jumped at it like I listened to Blair since I was a tiny thing it's my first album was Blair oh really yeah, yeah. bought yeah yeah which one uh, the self-titled one with song tune oh okay like, yeah. so 96 yeah. Jesus, 96, you're a big player fan there we go there, I wouldn't be a big player I, ju- I, ju- I just know that era if I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was boys and girls it was like 94 <laughs> oh, wow. no this is post this is post boys and girls yeah yeah banger of an album were you gutted not for that not to go ahead like yeah. or, were you, or do you just like you just get over it and it'll it'll hopefully happen again I suppose yeah um, yeah it was good it's like I'd be lying if I said I wasn't but it, it did help that everyone else was in the same boat like everyone lost gigs like that's that was nothing compared to some of the people some of my pals who lost outrageous amounts of gigs and money and yeah um but yeah sure everyone's in it so, yeah um but yeah they really they really scheduled it for march and april only like but only a handful of the gigs so hopefully we get to the out i'd be good i'd be really good at it if that didn't go ahead oh man yeah that'd be just shite okay okay fingers fingers, <laughs> fingers crossed, crossed so yeah. 20 2021 yeah and so tell me about when sun collective comes into it is that kind of your main baby remain like personal that's my main personal uh avenue of expression i suppose when did that start in various guises basically in various guises since i started playing guitar oh you really know what it I mean? goes, yeah so it goes back years but obviously not under the same name you know um but sun collective yeah like it had it started jeez it nearly started like five years ago but didn't do anything just talking with some some other musicians exactly like, or, or got some ideas or playing yeah and like attempting to record or do gigs or whatever um the first album was sitting on a computer for jesus two years a computer in australia because the piano player who was recording with me moved to australia and it got to the point where like there was just nothing happening with it so he's just like here listen just send me the tracks and i'll remix them here and then that took me about a year to to do because i was gigging and i hadn't a clue what i was doing so yeah like just real fallow periods when nothing happened because yeah because i was working and various other bits and bobs um so i it, it it kind of feels like it came into its own in 2019 when we did um we didn't run a shows in australia and that's when it felt like it was actually a thing it's a it's a band yeah it's a collective kind of thing but yeah it, like it felt more formed then because in february that year we did an, an irish tour and that band is still the band now whereas that never happened before there's people coming and going and which i like obviously it's in the name but um to have people that really actually know the tunes is it, is it kind of uh just you in the studio and then them live or is it very much kind of a collaborative effort now yeah it's mostly me in the studio and then getting various collaborators on 
Um, but yeah, for, for the bulk of it, I'd be playing most things. And then for the live aspect, it's a combination of five people. Probably been, when was the last uh, gig with the other lads in the band? As we actually like did it. one on Tuesday because it's the same band as Ivor Tribe. Oh, okay. What yeah. are we doing on Tuesday? We early music week with Ivor Tribe. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not Sun Collective, but the same band. Yeah. Yeah. So I had them over here on on Monday and we had the crack. It was lovely. Like so Rehearsing. Nice yeah, yeah, yeah. How did, how did you find re- recording the stuff for Irish Music Week? Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, odd. Look, 15 minutes set. No audience. Um, I guess ha- all artists are kind of getting used to that. Just not having an audience but having a camera in it's, their face the, instead. The, yeah, the no applause at the end of it is really odd. It's kind of eerie. Yeah, it's just like clap. Like the cameraman, anyone, just <laughs> some fucking clap. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it yourself on stage. Yeah. Also on everybody. Well, I don't we did it. It's um, great. Yeah. Uh, and it was half nine in the morning as well, so. Which is grand, like, you know, I don't mind playing a half nine in the morning, but for the, for the old singing. Uh, a bit. <laughs> over, over the summer, then you just released uh, a new EP. You released one under your own name, Cayman Gilmore, and one as uh, Sun Collective, did you? Yeah. So tell me about um, both of them. So the one under my name is a double bass album. And they're basically live takes of four commissions that I commissioned off for Irish composers in 2018, 2019. Yeah, that's a crack. I just, I got the COVID-19 response award thing to do it. So it kind of kept me busy during lockdown, editing videos and getting them mixed and then doing interviews with the composers. And then the Sun Collective EP, yeah, it just it felt right to differentiate them because the double bass world is is really my name and then Sun Collective is a, t- a totally different t- totally different endeavour and did you do the Sun Collective stuff was it all recorded uh, in Cork like during the past six months or has has it been in various guises over uh, over the years coming uh, together oh no actually it was all recorded this year oh, okay. it was all recorded in the last couple of months post lockdown as well there was one tune finished but yeah various places Cork and then up here, three studios. Got there in the end. Um, few on the sly recordings. I guess you've got to figure it figured out now, like e- each thing separately. Or you know, that's that's what I talk about. Like it's, you know, you've got you've got the orchestral side, you've got the double bass kind of solo stuff side as, under your own name, and then this other avenue as well with Sun Collective. Yeah. Is it hard to kind of keep them separate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that oh no that sounds too much like like Cayman Gilmore oh yeah, no 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 it I, all feeds I, into each other it all feeds into each other but I mean it gets um, when I'm pro- actually employed it gets hard to like one or the other always suffers it's nice to do all three of them for variety otherwise it'd be bored and like a small bit of arranging and stuff as well and so what are you up to at the moment like I mean, I guess you're you're basking in getting the uh, Sun Collective EP done and released, moving up to Dublin again and getting back into playing with other people. Yeah, to so getting back to some sense of normality. Yeah, there's a bit going on. Um, kind of a gig a week until October, which is amazing. Great. Um, in some capacity, it's mostly streaming. But all the things that I said I was going to do on in this residency, I did because. We were locked down. <laughs> oh, I've already done it. <laughs> so I've already done 
all the bits. But uh, I know I'm ske- definitely scheming. Um, and there's a lot of kind of back, <laughs> back and forth recordings going on and Arts Council applications for different various projects that I probably wouldn't say because if we don't get them, then they might go ahead. Okay. But, uh, Do you want to talk about the residency? It's Dumb City Council. It's uh, subsidised uh, living space and studio space um, for any type of artist and you get it for a year to complete a number of projects um, and I was very fortunate to get it and I feel very smug what, what's the goal <laughs> from it what's the goal yeah is it is it like a specific goal in mind um, for me it was to realise a number of projects which I've already realised <laughs> but because I'm so great no 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 because <laughs> I had time no Jesus I'm not great um, <laughs> yeah as I said there'll be there's plenty more things to do but I suppose the the whole point of it is to support artists in with time to reflect and to make things and not really like it's still you still have to pay money for it you know what I mean but um definitely takes um the edge off having to pay whatever Dublin rents are now two and a half grand or something ridiculous for you know a place to I don't know if you're an artist to paint you know or sculpture you know like it's you have the studio space as well uh, as your living space and there's lots of space in general around the house um, and just kind of takes the edge off it's really good initiative from Dublin City Council to support it because it's kind of it's grim out there for it's like it's really grim at the moment for anyone who's in the arts trying to pay for things you know there ain't no money um well listen best of luck with everything i don't know have you got like more releases planned or just kind of like wait and see yeah um i'm plowing ahead with another sun collective one um just in 2020 yep oh wow yeah those new ideas like brand new ideas yep yeah absolutely um i have i have two guitars upstairs and i restrung one of them with um the high the high gauge of uh, the the high octave of um 12 string a set of 12 strings it's called nashville tuning uh, and i'm obsessed with it because it sounds like bells when you play it in unison with a guitar that's has the normal strings on where'd that idea come from uh aaron desner actually oh, okay. uh, did it on lisa hannigan's um so we used to mimic it a bit uh, and i got chatting to him about it actually when he was playing with us in ireland and yes yeah, magic like such a beautiful sound and I kind of need that. Like sometimes I've, like that thing about being in a rut. I think if you find a new kind of sonic, sonic thing that you can play with, it actually it really it does it, it helps get something out of me. So I just kind of bashed out three tunes, all, all just kind of because of that guitar. All because of that sound. Wow. Yeah, all because of that. Yeah, really magic sound. Uh, so just taking my time with them. In between other, like I have a long list of kind of recordings that I'm getting back to people, Arts Council applications, moving into the gaff. So it's, I'd say September would be recording it. Getting back into it. Yeah, yeah. And just do two days and there you go. That's it. Cool. Uh, and the beam collaborator on each of those, those streams as well, who you like. Oh, are you not allowed to say? I won't say because I haven't asked most of them yet. Oh. <laughs> but they'll definitely say yeah. I, I, I hope they say yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I look forward to uh, listening to the tunes, listening, finding out who the collaborators are and best luck with uh, the rest of 2020. And hopefully 2021 is when you're like back out on the road touring and stuff, despite your pessimism. Yeah, well, we'll see. 
We'll see. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks yeah. a million for chatting. Thanks a million for having me.
swallow.